Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, episode 49. This is your favorite Georgetown Hoyas basketball podcast. As always, I'm Bobby Bancroft, here again with Andrew Geiger, casual Hoya, and always one of the top guests, Ben Standing from The Athletic. Andrew, we're back a little bit earlier than we would have thought to talk about McClung, which we kind of got out of our systems last week, but it's back. First of all, I didn't realize we were anointing Ben top guest, but you know he is. Uh, he is. He said he said one of. No, oh my god! Not. Did I? You know, yeah, believe I, it or not, I, mean, I, I don't. I'm kind of wondering who else is in the mix, to be honest. But <laughs> believe it or not, I don't have a script in front of me, so I apologize for not saying it properly, Ben. People misspeak. It happens. Yeah, pe- people Look, do think... misspeak. I... Well, yes, and and speaking of misspeaking, I think that's why we're speaking together tonight again. Um, so, we, you, the three of us, recorded a podcast a week ago, less about Ben's uh, article on Mac and the Athletic, and discussing what McClung's status might be for next season. Then all of a sudden, last night, we get wind from Patrick Ewing that McClung is coming back. Uh, shortly thereafter, McClung's agent says, not so fast. So Ben, why don't you tell us what you know? Sure. Uh, yeah, I definitely did not think we'd be on the Mac McClung uh, uh, train again this, uh, this quick. Um, I, so just to sort of go through the sort of the TikTok of of uh, Tuesday, like I didn't know about the Patrick Ewing interview that he gave to Andy Katz with Fox Sports uh, until somewhere early in the evening when um, Mac McClung's agent asked me if I've seen what Patrick Ewing had to say, and that, today I'm like no. So he tells me to give it a look. I did. I see Patrick Ewing say that uh, among other things that uh, Mac McClung and Jabarco Pickett have tested. <laughs> They, they they both had looked at the NBA and had decided to return, which, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the picket part of that being, wait, wait what's he talking about in a second? But the McClung part infers that McClung has, whatever he's already done, has decided that's it. He's going to, you know, he's going to go back to Georgetown and so on. Um, but the agent, as he put out on Twitter and then talked to me as well, said, no, that's not the case. That McClung is still is going through the process. He's already met with around a dozen teams. Oh, met meaning you know video conferences and stuff. And that you know beyond that, that he that he, according to the agent, McClung has not spoken to anybody at Georgetown about any kind of decision. Uh, you know, in in recent times since McClung started this process, which of course leads to the question of how could this be? You know, how could Ewing have sort of gotten this? wrong if it's to be you know if you, if you take the agent's word for it now, and i'll just say that uh uh i, I you know I, i'm somewhat taking his word but i had a, I had some other interactions as well that, that lead me to believe that that, that that he's not speaking out of turn so and and, and mcclung for what it's worth i, I assuming you guys saw this believe i saw on instagram that mcclung put up a post of the agent's tweet signal so endorsing it further so clearly there's some apparent miscommunication somehow what what goes on from there we can discuss and 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 go on but yeah i mean it seems like ewing made a an unforced error for reasons that don't make that much sense and even if he's ultimately right that mcclung comes back it just seems like an unnecessary mistake to make um you know out of the blue like that yeah uh my my take on it is I totally understand McClung tweeting shortly after Ewing's statements became public that, uh, you know, his, his, his tweet that he, his picture signing the contract. And I completely understand the agent coming out and saying what he did. And then McClung posting on Instagram, um, the agent's tweet, because at the end of the day, McClung needs the feedback from the NBA team. You know, he does, he doesn't want these NBA teams to think, Oh, well, if he's going back to Georgetown, we're not going to spend any more time analyzing his game, giving him any feedback. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly in Mac McClung's interest to keep his hat in the ring in the NBA draft ring. Um, I'm sure though, he also told Ewing, Hey, 
if I don't get drafted, I'm coming back to Georgetown, um, which is probably, and Ewing thinking, well, you ain't getting drafted. So I'm expecting you back at Georgetown. I'm, I'm, my guess is that's what's been going on here. Mac obviously has an interest in keeping the pro dream alive so he can continue to get feedback from NBA teams. Ewing has the interest, obviously, in making sure Georgetown's team is the best it can be, and he expects Mac to be back. I think the combination of the comments, though, rules out one of the things that the three of us had discussed last, just last week about a possible transfer. Um, because that certainly hasn't been brought up by any party. Uh, so I think we can eliminate that from the equation. I think at the end of the day, you have two scenarios. Mac's not getting drafted. I think he can maybe get a, one of those two-way contracts that he may jump at, especially given the uncertainty surrounding whether there may be a season this year. Uh, so he just wants to get on with it and prove what he can do on the court. Um, or he's back at Georgetown. And that, that, that's really it. Yeah. So I think there's a broader doomsday attitude that the fan base has taken about the lack of control that Ewing has over his players and, and the knowledge of, of his players and whether or not he should be making these comments. And people are drawing lines back to what happened with Akinjo and LeBlanc, um, you know, and Gardner and, and uh, what's his name? Alexander going back last year and, People are obviously upset uh, about what appears to be a lack of uh, continuity among the program, among the, the coaching staff and, and the kids. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the only way this looks bad as far as Georgetown is concerned is if Mac ultimately does not return to Georgetown, because I don't think anyone outside the fan base is even really talking about this because no one really thinks that McClung is going to be drafted anyway. Uh, so yeah, a lot of what you said to start, I think all that makes sense. Um, it just, it just seems like, it just seems such, it just seems so unavoidable what happened yesterday. You know, Ewing was making the rounds. He was on them. He was on Dan Patrick. We can talk about that later. Um, he's with Andy Katz and his statement about McClung and including Pickett, who, as far as we know, didn't actually officially, you know, enter the NBA draft, um, you know, going through the mechanisms you have to do for that. So he starts off his sentence saying, I think, and then he sort of cuts off and he says, they both told me they're coming back. And I watched it real quick after dinner. I texted both of you guys like the same thing. Um, this doesn't sound right <laughs> because knowing what we know about McClung, right? He's, He's got a huge, he might have more Twitter followers than Patrick Ewing. He's got a huge base. You know, he did the whole Instagram or and Twitter. I'm, you know, I'm testing the waters. Thank everybody. He got his moment in the sun, like everybody wants. And then just this last week, well, after he had already signed with the agent, he posted and everybody picked up because he was signing it left-handed that he has an agent. So clearly that's not the way McClung, if he even told Ewing, like, I'm probably coming back. I think I'm coming back. The McClungs are clearly controlling this this narrative, right? And which they should. So the whole thing just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Like, why why do this? It makes it makes no sense if if you're Patrick Ewing. Yeah, I mean, I think, just to start, yeah. Sorry, just just to to jump in. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, it feels like from the Ewing perspective, it just doesn't quite this. There's no reason to say that when Andy Katz asks you, I forget how he phrased the question, but when he asks you about some uncertainty with players looking at the NBA or whatever, just say, hey, look, obviously we're bringing back some guys that we're pretty excited about. We've got some kids coming in. Um, you know, he can say the picket thing if he wants, but hey, but Mac McClung is, is making, uh, you know, he's looking at the NBA. You know, look, we think if he comes back, we've got a chance to be a contender in the Big East and, and move forward and not misstep. It doesn't matter so much to some degree the McClung aspect of if that had happened. Why, why, you know, maybe today it's only something that ultimately may prove to be minor, but you have to control your message. This is part of, I mean, you know, this is, we wouldn't be having a podcast if he didn't right now on this topic, but that's, that's good for us, but it's not great for them. He has to be able to do a better job of controlling his message. Um, but to the other two points, I, I would just say this, like on the idea of the, you know, McClone sort of trying to hide from the NBA what his actual plans are. 
so according to the agents, he's already met with 11 teams and has more on, on the docket. Even if he doesn't meet with any more, he's actually met with 11 teams, spoken to them. You would imagine, unless these conversations are incredibly superficial, he's gotten ample feedback already. And teams, this is a free shot for them to learn something about this kid who maybe they never draft, but they, but they also but they talk to dozens of kids every year that they will never draft or never get. But they do this because of the – this is part of their process, and especially this year when they can't even work anybody out most likely – they want to take advantage of every opportunity they get. So I don't think that, I don't think there's any reason to be covert if you're McClung. I, I talked to several sources around the league, not just yesterday, but throughout what, since the time McClung said he was going to turn pro. And I, I, to me, nobody was set talking about him as a play, as a draft pick at all. Um, you know, there's some aspects of his game people like, but in terms of getting drafted, no. If the agent's hearing otherwise, as he told me, that's great, but that's not what I've heard. Um, and then on the idea of the transfer, I, I'll, I'll just say this. Like, I prior to last week after hearing this talk, my sense was wasn't really anything to it, that the goal was the NBA, and I don't think there was much to it. Now, did anything change based on what just happened yesterday? I mean, I, I, not, not enough for me to go he's going to transfer if he doesn't go to the NBA by any stretch of the imagination. But based on the, the fact that the agent felt so compelled to come out and say something, that McClung himself then started retweeting stuff. And, you know, I, the first sentence in what I wrote was, Ewing added confusion to what's becoming a tense situation. And I don't, you know, nobody said to me, I'm overstating anything. So I would just say that, like, maybe it's, if it was at 1% before, did it get to 5% now? Maybe it's absolutely nothing and there's nothing to consider. But I would say, if I had to guess, and again, it could be minimal to nothing that the odds of him transferring would be slightly higher now based on before, which isn't to say he's doing it or that it's even close to happening, but I wouldn't dismiss it the way I would have a week ago. Uh, on that specifically, I would tend to doubt it. I think Ewing's comments were – if anything, Ewing's comments should be construed as we want him back. He could have said, you know, in the Jim Beheim mold where he – <laughs> throws players under the bus when he says, oh, the kid's not ready for the draft, blah, blah, blah. He, he could have said something like that. I mean, I think there's a certain polish that Ewing doesn't have yet uh, as a head coach with his with how he answers certain questions. I think that was evident earlier this year with Yurt Seven, um, you know, saying that he was medically cleared to play, but he wasn't playing. Who knows what was really going on with that? But I, I think if, if Ewing was expecting McClung to transfer, he, he probably would have wouldn't have said what he did. Um, and I think for McClung to decide to transfer now based on that comment this late in the game would, would be silly and almost spiteful, especially with regard to, you know, just tossing aside everything that Ewing has done for him as a player. Um, you know, if that happens, then if, if that happens, then maybe it is sort of an addition by subtraction because, uh, you know, you, well, you well, don't hold want on, but let me stop. But let me stop you there because you're taking what I just said way too far. Expected infers yeah. like 50 percent or higher. I'm not saying there's any expectations. I'm just saying based on what you had said before. It, it, when Ewing at the moment that Ewing makes the comment, I would have assumed no chance McClung would transfer. All I'm saying is then he says what he says. The the agent then reacts, does what he does. McClung does what he does. Does, I'm just saying, does the specter of it cross their mind more? I would, I would imagine the answer would be yes, which is only to say maybe it gets to three percent, five percent, but not. It doesn't seem like it would be a, a, a go down. I, like I wouldn't have taken what happened yesterday and said to myself, well, he's definitely not doing anything other than the NBA. I would say it would go up, that's, but that's, again, that's, 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 that's fine. That's fine. But transferring makes no sense for a kid with desi- with designs that are professional career. The, the, that one-time waiver thing isn't happening, so he'd have to sit out a year. He's not getting a waiver for any sort of dispensation because he's leave, leaving the team because his coach said something that he construed as negative towards him or kind of showed his cards too early. So he'd have to sit out a year, and then it, it just makes no sense. Um, do Georgetown I agree literally yet, yet? just had a guy like that. But yeah, I would say, what, what, I mean, just to play it out, why would it, make, why would it make no sense? I mean, if you're McClung and the NBA says to you, hey – you, you know, we, we think he's got some interesting stuff, but you need to stay in school. Therefore, time is on his side. Transferring doesn't necessarily matter a ton. 
but also if Ewing, again, this is pure, I'm just talking out loud. You, we just saw other players leave because for whatever the reason, they didn't like what was happening. So if, if somehow McClung didn't like what, what happened yesterday, I'm just saying the hypothetical leaving doesn't seem to be that insane. Again, to be clear to anybody who's listening, I'm not 100, and I'm not at all suggesting he's doing any of these things other than testing the waters, and it's much more likely he comes back than anything else. That's, but I'm just saying, like, the, the whole point for me is the fact that Ewing seemed to say what he said, even if he was 100% right, even if McClung told him he's coming back and all these kinds of things, we're having this conversation now because there's confusion in the air. If there's confusion in the air, then I don't know what that means. And that's the only point that I'm trying to make. Well, Ben, did you just say in case anyone's listening, we have listeners, Ben. There is a Kente Corner following. Did I say I did I say I meant to say everybody's transcribed. I meant to say in case anybody likes like, you know, uh, aggregating or whatever that whatever is going on here. Uh, uh, you guys have people. <laughs> um do we Andrew, do, do do you want to switch here and go into the uh, the bigger Ewing questions that sort of come out yeah, of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that we could debate McClung's decision-making process till the cows come home. I mean, we're not going to even – we're not going to know what it is until he actually makes a decision, which is <laughs> what the three of us discussed last week. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, other people keep chiming in on and seemingly making up his mind for him. But nonetheless, I think this incident has – brought to light a lot of parts of the program that people in the fan base are upset with and that has come out uh in in the comments on the site uh and on twitter um you know (laughs) one of the things i'm reading right now uh recruiting is terrible in-game coaching is very bad the communication from the program continues to be the worst thing i've ever seen um you know, what What am I missing here? Uh, and then, of course, there was another comment, uh, I think, that I sent to you guys earlier that I thought framed the argument nicely, which was more of Ewing's control of the team as a whole. Do the players really want to play for him? What's with all the departures over the past few years? Um, you know, are players testing the waters because they don't like the waters at Georgetown? Don't they, doesn't Georgetown have a solid plan? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so okay, I'll try and jump in and answer some of these, and you guys can disagree or say, good job. Is Patrick in control of the team? I think yes. Obviously, McClung is kind of on the side, and he's, you know, it's a different process. He has an agent. He's sort of in a little bit of a limbo period. So, you know, Patrick's not completely in control of this. Um, do the players really want to play for him? Obviously, the players that stayed you know, at the end of the season when they only had like five guys, those guys clearly wanted to play for him. They def- he definitely didn't lose the guys that stayed. Um, but then we get to the departure part. Yes. Um, I think that if McClung goes pro and gets a G League contract, you know, that's a positive, right? That's what the program, that's what every kid that goes to Georgetown wants to do. They want to go play professionally. But if McClung were to transfer, and I know that we all think that's very unlikely, if you lose all of, you know, LeBlanc, Akinjo, and McClung, all first-team uh, freshman Big East guys, and they're all gone before junior year starts, that's a pretty big problem. Yeah. And they've had a couple other departures as well. Um, yep. You know, so, you know, there's a, this is a pretty good post. There's a lot of questions there. But I think that's that, that's the way I answered the first part of that. The, uh, well, I mean, think about it. They've lost, uh, what, Grayson Carter? They lost. Uh, Chris Sodom, right? Right. Walker. So, so Carter, Sodom, Akinjo, LeBlanc, Gardner. I guess Alexander is a transfer. Um, Walker. You know, Walker. That's seven right there. Um, that's a lot <laughs> in three years. All guys well, that doing recruited. Um, well, Walker's so, not, but he, Walker stayed. Walker stayed. So, I mean, he, but he was, you know, he played for Ewing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or he, yeah. That was the point. Yeah. I, I would say, like, I would probably separate the transfers into two separate categories, or maybe even three. One, there's the guys who are at the end of the bench who don't see a role for themselves. So, there's that. Um, uh, you know, then there's the guys who there were some issues. Sodom was one. The, the uh, you know, 
whatever the allegations that were happening this year, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything is proven, but just whatever the you know, there were some allegations, and those guys, you know, you know, decided or or, or somebody suggested they leave, whatever it may be. Um, and then there's also the guys who actually actually four categories. Then there's the guys who transfer at the end of the year. That happens all the time in college basketball, as we see all the time now. Almost every program it feels like loses one guy a year on average at minimum, if not two or three, um, you, just because that's how these kids go. But the one thing that the, the in-season one, the Akinjo one, that was jarring because of how it happened. If Akinjo just today played the whole year now today and says he's transferring, I mean, we'd all be having a conniption fit over it, but at the same time, it wouldn't be abnormal to do it at that point of the season, not even past first semester, that was the bizarre, uh, that was the bizarre part. So like in a, in a hypothetical sense, any player who would transfer now, it would be odd. There's no question. You would have to you know, be wondering what is going on, but like to some degree, it's sort of normal. Um, the, the uh, but, but yeah, I mean, so there are sort of different categories. I would put it in and it's the, the, the Akinjo one thing being so fresh and that, that one is harder to, to reconcile. That said, I don't want to say addition by subtraction because that's unfair to some degree to, to Akinjo and the other guys, but obviously Georgetown played well. And if McClung and Yurt Seven don't get hurt, you know, who knows? Maybe they would have been in position to make the NCAA tournament, assuming the world hadn't, uh, you know, stopped the way the way that it did. So, uh, you know, who knows? You know, who knows to say where the blame is, so to speak? Was it more that Akinjo and some of those guys just weren't? doing what Ewing wanted, and once he got the guys he wanted, things look good, but, you know, it, it, that that part's a little trickier. And then there's, you know, the part about our guys testing the waters, and I guess it's really just been, well, I suppose Pickett tested the waters. We don't really know that to be true. Maybe he thought about it, um, but you've got Derrickson who tested the waters, and I think, I think at the time – Ewing felt he should come back, uh, and we have McClung doing it. Uh, Derrickson left, played a little bit in the league, a lot of a lot of G League action. McClung, we don't really know. Probably lower prospects than Derrickson, just based on you know, just based on size and skill set that translates to the NBA. So the idea of our guys, our guys testing the waters because they don't like Georgetown or they just want to test. I think this is what every kid wants to do, right? It's it's just it's just different than. You know, a guy like Patrick Ewing now, like Patrick Ewing right now, what he probably would have, you know, found a way to uh, prep for a year and then like, you know, bypass college. Um, I know Patrick's talked about how he thinks kind of things are the same and they're completely different. So I don't really know if guys are testing the waters as this as this question suggests, because they don't like Georgetown. I think it's just what they all want to do. Right. Well, and, 100%. And it's, 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 there's no downside. I mean, there's, there's no downside to testing the water, so you might as well. I mean, again, yeah. with, with Ticket, I think that revelation came out of nowhere. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Bobby, when you, you texted me last night about it, I was like, well, <laughs> I don't think it lasted very long. You know, I don't, I don't think he, he really had to go through meeting with 11 NBA teams and whatnot to get, you know, m- much feedback as to, um, you know, his draft prospects. I think Pickett obviously needs to make a leap this season. Uh, he's, he's not ready in the least bit. Um, so I'm, I'm not definitely not on, I, I'm not on Pickett Island. Like I was on Blair Island, but I do think that I don't think it's too hard to squint and see Jamarco, right. Playing in the G league, maybe getting a call up Ben. Is that, is that, mm-hmm. is that too crazy? Uh, I mean, he, 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 he physically clearly looks, the part he has since the moment he showed up, the long arms. I mean, you know, uh, yes, he, he looks he looks the part. And if he were to whatever whatever the issue is, he needs to you know get get tougher mentally, be more focused in practice with his practice habits. I mean, whatever whatever the thing may be, if he did that and made a significant leap, yeah, it wouldn't stun me to have the NBA teams all of a sudden say, "Oh, what's going on here." Um, I mean, I've been burned before with that thinking with a guy like Greg Whittington, but that was, you know, he had some other, uh, you know, he, he had other aspects off the court that, that uh, Pickett has not has not had. So, Whitting, yeah, Whittington, Whittington was, was a much better player than Pickett. I mean, other oh, yeah. than Pickett. Oh, yeah. Other yeah than talking athletically. Right, but other than his measurables, Pickett I'm talking about, other than his measurables and his perceived athleticism, he doesn't really do anything well. He can't, can't. I mean, the handle's terrible. 
dribbling is bad. Decision making. I think he's a bad. pretty good shooter, and I think he can defend he's when he's not. He's engaged. not a good shooter. He's not he a good shot, shooter. I mean, he shot. He, he, he basically shot the. Well, he basically shot the same from three as he did from the field last year, which is obviously bizarre because that's not good from the field. But he shot like 38% from three, which, you know, if we're talking in an NBA scenario, you know, that that's what you want to see. Yeah, but, I mean, yes, he hasn't done I – mean, there's, there's no doubt he needs to go back to Georgetown to prove it. I'm just saying to Bobby's point of the squinting, if he actually yeah. – if something clicked in this year, he had one of those seasons. If he had the Henry Sims-type season where he really goes to another – you know, takes his game to another level out of the blue – it wouldn't stun me if we started if he, if he somehow were to be a guy who you know gets we, you know we end up doing podcast next year if you if you have me back if there's not other favorite guests to have instead of me <laughs> um, that, 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 that we would that, that we would be discussing hey is Pickett going to potentially is he in the mix to get drafted or you know crap like that but that's so far removed so many things have to happen um, but yeah. okay how, how about how about this it's been four years now in what way if any is this program in a better place than it was when JT3 left? Um, I think a, yeah. I think you would have to point. I think most people would point that. I think I think people were just so tired of the style of play offensively. I think mm-hmm. that is what people would point to. Of you know what is what is you know discernibly better. I think it would say aesthetically, when they get going, they can move. And that didn't always happen under the last couple of years for JT3, right? Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. I, I think that the, the style of play is certainly more attractive. I don't think you can point to the style of play as the reason we're not winning games. I know that people defensively, obviously, there needs to be improvement. And the fact that there still isn't a defensive, defensive guru assistant coach that's been put in place it's problematic. Um, you know, I don't know whether Ewing has this dogged loyalty to his guys, but there's, there's a problem there on the defensive end that they, that they haven't addressed. So I can see why from an X of the nose standpoint that people might get frustrating, get frustrated in that respect. Um, but I do think the program as a whole image wise and brand wise is in a better place than it was four years ago, even though it hasn't resulted in wins if that's possible. Um, it's interesting, right? Bobby, I think, makes a good point that from a styles perspective, Georgetown is more fun to watch right now. But the, to me, the, the, the ultimate issue was the Princeton offense thing wasn't the issue. The issue was because they kept losing in games to the, all the, you know, to the, to the, to the Hoya sadness of it all, as, as you guys have been, have been talking about, the Princeton became the, the, the scapegoat for the scenario. I would probably argue that maybe JT3 at times he recruited to a system that he wasn't running and that he didn't seem to have, but if you want to run that specific thing, you, you don't have, you have more guys like Greg Monroe and Henry Sims, not uh, Aaron Bowen and uh, you know, some other guys were just like, wait, why is this guy in the system? Like that type of thing. So I, I think the system got scapegoated to a degree because of those crazy losses. But the thing is, Ewing hasn't even been in the tournament to have those losses. So it's weird yeah. to sort of say on some level that their perception is better. It's just that he hasn't gotten there and been upset by Gulf Coast because he hasn't even gotten that far. And if they don't make the tournament this year, which whether McClung comes back or not, just based on, you know, obviously, again, 100 things have to happen. We don't know a ton about the freshmen or the other teams, but projections currently have Georgetown, you know, near the bottom of the Big East again. So if they're 0 for 4, and now we go have the same question again. I don't know that the perception of Georgetown is actually better. They're not even in position to, to, to lose the Gulf Coast or, or make it. So I, I, I think that I always thought that the, the Princeton thing was slightly overstated, but, you know, nobody wanted to keep losing all those games because it just, you know, it was miserable. And um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, 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 th- I, I do think though, I'm with you though, Bobby, that the style of play gives them a chance to get certain types of players that they may not have gotten otherwise. I'll give you that for sure. Again, yeah. So have they gotten those players? Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways to go from that, from that question, Andrew. Um, you know, you could, you know, I know that there was um, Andrew put on Twitter, a question about if there's something you could change in the last 10 years 
for Georgetown, what would it be? I feel like we've maybe answered variations of that question before. I, I think even Ben's brought it up. But well, someone someone asked that, that at Hoya Breakdown asked us to answer that question. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying I, yeah. I feel like we've maybe just Ben and I have talked about it like just with each other, but yeah. I feel like this has been discussed before. But um, I jotted down some ideas, and in talking about Ewing's you know first three years here, I mean, obviously there was the way there's there's things you can change during the last from 2010 to 2017 of JT three that would have been really big but just for Ewing who hasn't in my opinion gotten going it looked like they were about to get going right with who they had on their roster yeah. you know up in New York when they played Texas and Duke with Terrence Williams by far the biggest recruit because he's local and he's like a top 50 guy I mean that right. was that was where Ewing was about to set out and fly right and mm-hmm. it came right back down so I didn't even list that I have a couple things here of you know things that I think would be a big deal if you change but from a just a looking at like a Ewing standpoint obviously that moment might define his career right I mean he had a really good roster at that time and the recruiting you know I imagine Terrence Williams if he stays with his commitment and he shows up I imagine that's going to be attractive to other high recruits right that's how it sort of works you have to sort of get somebody and then they want to all play together For sure. I mean, isn't that sort of I, – I, you, you would have to remind me of the order, but like Austin Freeman, Chris Wright, Jason Clark. I mean, I know they weren't – Clark was a year later, but like to some degree, right, that's kind of how that fell together. Yeah. You got yeah, just, one and just, then the other came and um, – Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And yeah. And then that – and that, I mean, on a much bigger scale, like that's how it went back for the Fab Five with Michigan – um, you know, uh, I think it was Jalen, it was either Jawan or Jalen Rose, I think went first and it just sort of set the dominoes for all the other ones. Uh, but, but, but you're right. Cause, cause I was about to ask you, uh, what, what's the biggest recruit? Like if, if, if JT3's last big recruits were Jesse, Govan and, and Derrickson, like two guys who are at least top 100 guys oh, right, yeah. at, at a minimum. Yeah. What, what, what's been Ewing's biggest recruit since he's been here and, I mean, Akinjo? Akinjo. Yeah, he wasn't even a recruit. He was like, a, I mean, he was a recruit, but like not exactly a recruit. Yeah, like if you want to say like the best traditional re- recruit as far as like he didn't decommit from somewhere else, which is what Akinjo did when Kevin Ollie got fired and McClung decommitted from Rutgers just because he didn't want to go to Rutgers. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's, and you know, your seven is obviously a transfer. LeBlanc? Yeah, LeBlanc. I mean, so I, thought, I mean, I mean, Sibley's a four star too. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Sibley coming in is, is no slouch. Um, you know, we're obviously in the mix for Cisse, who's a five star who might be classified to 2020. I mean, and I don't you know think what? Recruiting... Mm-hmm. Pickett was a four star. He was a decommit from Ole Miss, but Pickett fits that bill, and he's local, so. But yeah, my only yeah. point is just to sort of back up what you said. To get that kid, ter- to get Terrence Williams, was would have been a game changer. The, the idea of being close on a five star, I mean, you know, the Nerlens Noel thing ended me ever, ever worrying about stuff like that. I mean, me we, too. We, we me too. You can't be second or third every time. That doesn't count at some, at some point. Um, and I don't even care if you get the five star guy. Isaac Copeland was a five star. That that didn't work. I always point out, you know, for for the for the Maryland people. Uh, you know, uh, that, that national team that Merrill had, Lonnie Baxter was not a big recruit. Juan Dixon was not some big guy. You have to get the people that make sense for you. And that's what, that's what ultimately I think matters um, as much as anything. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, the, I, I think that sort of moment, like you're saying, Bobby, that, that they had this kid who was a big recruit on top of a, a, a really talented roster and that it all sort of, you know, somehow it all got flushed in a pretty quick amount of time really uh you know like at least when jt3 lost Tremont waters it was already the ship was already pretty much sinking at that point but here this thing was on the rise you know and uh, here we go and then you're like oh wait and now you know it, it's kind of hard to know where they're at I, th- I thought we lost waters because of the blog is that not true well the blog got blamed from some for some stuff today <laughs> I, th- I think you, the, the, and i'm just looking at the hoya's 247 rankings right now for our recruiting class coming in. We'll come back to that in a second, Bobby. But right now, Georgetown has the third-ranked uh, recruiting class coming in for 2020 um, in the entire Big East. Last year, we were fourth. 
so that includes the commits of Sibley, Beard, Kobe Clark, Dante, Dante Harris, as well as the transfer of Jalen Harris. And we still have one scholarship to go. So not bad. What happened today that we got blamed for? Getting some flack for the sadness brackets, which was weird for me because I was originally, as you know, against them and did not participate in seeding. But in these oh podcasts, what? The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. What, what, getting some flack for it, it, it was it was something about that it's too you, negative you, you, you for the program. Losses of the last ten years. No, it was just like, you know, it's negative. Like, you can't be surprised if we're not getting recruits, if our fan base is doing a sadness bracket. And I was like, look, (laughs) look, yeah, I don't think you know how this works if you think the sadness bracket is affecting a five-star kid from committing to Georgetown, okay? That's not how this works. Um, And as I've been doing the podcast with, you know, with, with John and Howie, you know, it's been sort of therapeutic to go over some of the soul crushing losses of the last 15 years but um yeah the blog gets a lot of credit now do you think the blog would get credit if a five-star signed i mean it's ridiculous of course not of course not of course not so um yeah i mean i i wish more than anyone else that the program was nothing but rainbows and unicorns and we could dance in fields of sunflowers and and be happy all the time but that's just not reality um so it's just as important to point out some of the negative aspects as it is to laud the positive aspects, which we certainly do a lot of. It's just, unfortunately, there haven't been as many uh, this season. I mean, I just know from – we I used to turn out those casual awards after every win, um, and it used to be a grind because we'd win a lot. Um, yeah. And now those posts are few and far between because all it seems we can do is beat St. John's and DePaul. Um, but anyway, so because, uh, because that was basically the only question, do you guys have any, you want to, you want to do like a a top three of moments that, you know, if changing that one moment would have changed the trajectory of the program in the last 10 years, I, I I listed a couple. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, let's, let's, we don't have to discuss the Josh Hart Domingo one, because obviously that's what everyone talks about. Um, as one that could have had a seismic shift in the trajectory of the program. I I get it. Um, But we've discussed that numerous times, though. Are there any uh, other ones on your list that might be more interesting at this point? Well, I mean, you know, I I think particularly for not advancing in the tournament, I think the Chris Wright injury is pretty big, right? They, They lose their last five, but they lose their last four going into the NCAA tournament, they get a six seed. I don't think they would have lost four in a row. I think that's pretty fair because they were ranked and it was a good team. So let's say they go two and two, you know, so now you're looking at a four or five seed. You don't play VCU. Chris Wright's healthy. They're, you know, they're seniors. I don't think it's too hard to imagine that team winning a game or two in the tournament. So that really changes the perception of, you know, upset losers and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. The Winnington yeah, suspension no, is a, is well, a big just, deal. Just back to the Chris Wright one. I mean, at the time of that game back in 2011, Georgetown was ranked 11th in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, you win that game against Cincinnati, which is tough. I mean, I mean they're unranked, but they're still – you know, you're talking about potentially a top-10 team heading into March. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're not talking about a six seed. You're talking about a three, four potentially yeah. – uh, that was a bad one, and you're right. I mean, getting getting the sixth seed, forcing forcing Wright to come back in that lineup obviously hurt um, against the team that we matched up with horribly in VCU, um, coming off the Ohio debacle the year before. Yeah, that that was that was a tough one to take. Uh, the Whittington suspension that you mentioned um, was interesting, but then, if I recall, right after that, the Hoyas kind of surged. Yeah, they did. Well, they that was rallied. the Otto Porter. I mean, that was Otto Porter turning into Superman at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, you know, the fact that they got a two seed without Winnington and looking at what their lineup was, and then when you look the next year, they brought back everybody, and they didn't make the tournament. 
you know, I, I think that when you add Whittington to that group, even if maybe they don't have as good of a record and maybe they don't get a two seed, maybe they're like a three or a four because just the way, you know, stuff doesn't completely add up. I think that they're obviously a way better team with Whittington. You know, like right before that, he had like his career high. He had 25 against Western Carolina. I mean, this was a guy that pro scouts were coming to see, you know, even during his freshman year. So, yeah, I have to think that with Whittington on the team, they're not pulling a Gulf Coast. So that's a big deal, too, because that Gulf Coast became, I mean, you know, obviously that, you know, Gulf Coast, they won their next game. They made the Sweet 16. But, you know, that was just that was a deflating game for the program and like just the manner that it happened. So mm-hmm. you add a winning 10. I just don't see, you know, I just don't see that happening. And then of course, the there's the, I remember, and I think this was brought up by uh, Florida Hoya in a recent podcast about that 2010 team before the game against Ohio. Uh, I remember the, the blog interviewed Julian Vaughn, yeah. a while back and he I think he revealed and I'm, I'm just trying to pull it up right now to see exactly what he said he said something like he said something he said like something you know the fact that, um, we were we were practicing we we're doing a, a walkthrough the night before or something like that um and the reserves kept scoring on the starters uh and rather than kind of do anything about it um JD3 said, okay, everyone just go to bed. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, I remember the practice the night before the game. We were going over their plays like always. The starting five usually guards the next five, blah, blah, blah. I remember going through the first play, and they were carving us up. We couldn't figure out how to stop all the options. We got yelled at. We fixed it. And they would find another option for a cutter or wide open three. After it's like three or four adjustments of not stopping that play, JT3 got mad and changed the play to another. Literally the same thing happened. I don't think we stopped them from scoring or having a super solid look in 10 to 12 possessions. Coach got pissed and basically called practice, told us to just get shots up for the next 30 minutes. I know he was thinking we weren't focused, but I was chatting with Austin, and I think I was like, quote, bro, we need to figure this out before tomorrow, or it's going to be tough, and that's what happened. It was more their system with something funky we hadn't seen and probably needed another day or two to master it, not that they had better players. Um, which, wait, 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 which – I apologize. Which loss was that? That's Julian right Vaughn. The, Ohio. That's Julian Vaughn, right, right before. Oh, Ohio. the Ohio. Okay. That, sorry, that, that's what I thought. I did, I, I missed the transition. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Wait, Bobby, what was it? What was the? What was the exact question about this topic again? It I was. Have a thought, but I want. It was if you could if you could change one thing in the last ten years to maybe change the trajectory of the program, what would it be for Georgetown? Sure. So, so to me, the most obvious one, and and I'm not saying I would definitively, but if we're going to play the what if game, it's the conversation we've had this entire podcast. What if when they fire JT3, they for the first time in 100 years, they go outside the family and figure out an actual something else besides what they did? Oh, wow. Which isn't to yeah. say that, like I said, well, I'm just saying, like, because that, that's, you know, I mean, like, you look, Ewing had them. I, I said many times this year, I thought Ewing really did a good job. Once all the guys left to keep them together, they were, you know, the, the, between the schedule and the, and the wins they were getting, they were in position to be in the NCAA bubble. And if they hadn't, you know, had the injuries, you know, who knows? But that said, you know, a lot of the same things that Georgetown we see over and over again continue um, on, off the court, whatever it may be. I, I, I you know, uh, who knows what would happen? I mean, like, uh, uh, Danny Hurley went to Connecticut, right? He went from Rhode Island to Connecticut. Now, I, I would think to myself, if you told me all things are equal, Georgetown to me is a better job than Connecticut in the sense that the recruiting is here. There's no recruiting in Connecticut. I know that obviously Connecticut got great players over the years, but I'm just saying as a basic job, D.C. is a better place to recruit than that area. So if you told me all things be equal, Danny Hurley could go to Connecticut or Georgetown, man, unless I'm crazy, which is conceivable, nobody answered that at home. Uh, eh, Georgetown would be a better job. But the reason why somebody like that would seemingly not be interested is for the reasons why things have ended up the way they ended up. Because the, because the belief, if not the reality, is, you know, we, we, you know, we, you know the Thompsons run Georgetown, or, or worst case, Jack DeJoya is loyal to the Thompsons because of his connections to that and all that. 
And so we end up with Patrick Ewing, who, again, had did some good things this year, but that to me is the ultimate. If you're going to pick one thing, what would have happened if Georgetown had ultimately gone outside the family to, to, to make hire? Yeah, no, um, I definitely, for whatever reason, my mind immediately goes towards fixing the parts when it was good under JT3 so that it never gets to the point where you have to make that change. But yeah, that's obviously a very, a very, you know, that's a big point and that's obviously a big, a big marker there. I, yeah, all, all of my stuff is sort of fixing the good parts so that it doesn't get to that bad part. But when that bad part happens, you're right. Uh, yeah, I always, I mean, just for the JT3, I just always thought of it in broad strokes. It just felt like, and I sort of mentioned this before, that, you know, he obviously has his father, you know, one of the most decorated, you know, basketball coaches of all time. And then you had his, his Pete Carrill, his college coach, who's obviously also one of the best, considered one of the best tacticians of all time and, you know, all that. So he clearly always seemed like he was pulling from these two people who ran very different styles of basketball and it felt sometimes he was recruiting for the father, but playing for, for Kirill with some of the choices he's making. And, you know, what again, what do I know? I, I you know, JT3 and all these guys, you know, they'll forget more today than I've ever known about how to, how to coach basketball. But that always felt to me like sometimes you would just see some of the players they had and it was like, I don't get why this guy is here for what you're trying, what you're trying to do. Um, but, you know, li- li- you know, that happens. Andrew, what's up, man? Yeah, I, look, I, I I agree with with everything that that that's been said. I, unfortunately, Ben, I think we're I don't know if that was ever really on the table going outside the family. Uh, but it is interesting. It would have been interesting to see what a Danny Hurley specifically could have done uh, at Georgetown. I I think he was certainly one of the candidates that the fan base was hoping the school would go after. I don't know if they ever really did um, or not. And now, of course, we're going to have UConn back in the Big East starting this year, and they've put together a killer recruiting class. And, and to be clear, like, I, I, don't, I never heard that Danny Hurley was involved. I'm just pointing, since he's going to Connecticut now, a, a Big East school who's yeah. had a track record, a positive one, just sort of, you know, if given the option, where would he go? No, he was yeah. he was definitely one of the names that was mentioned. And I mean, how serious any of those names were is anyone's guess. I have my guesses, but I believe Danny right. Hurley was one of the names in the mix oh, at he, that I time. Mean, I, I I remember like we were all. I mean, I think at that point I was write, doing some writing for for Casual as well, and we were all doing the various profiles. And he was one. I mean, Amberker was obviously, as I recall, the guy that was getting the most steady attention. It seemed like a a, a logical. Yeah. Fit if they were going to go outside the system, but um, you know we could debate. You, 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 have, about, a, you uh, have a you you have a very good memory. You actually wrote the profile for Hurley. Um, I'm looking at it now. Uh, you gave him an eight out of ten on a desirability rating to be the next head coach, and the poll that we had at the bottom of each uh, potential candidate profile: Do you want Danny Hurley as the next coach of Georgetown? Seventy-three percent yes, twenty-seven percent no, on two thousand votes total. Uh, so there certainly was, uh, a, and there were seventy-five comments to the article that um, suggested that Hurley should be at the top of the list. And you know, hindsight's twenty-twenty. Is that it, Andrew? Did you have any any more? Um... Things that you, the, you know, the one moment in time that you would change? Well, I, I think for me, the moment is really the, is that Josh Hart moment. I just, I know that we've spoken about it so many times that at this point, it's just like beating everyone over the head and I feel bad even bringing it up. Yeah. It just seemed like such an obvious move to make. Uh, you had a local kid who wanted to come to Georgetown. He wore Georgetown T-shirts at games. It's almost like begging for an offer. <laughs> uh, Hollis Thompson's leaving probably forced our hand there because suddenly we needed a perimeter player. Steven Domingo popped up. He was playing on, some, I guess, USA under-17 team and whatnot, was thought of as a knockdown shooter. 
I guess the staff thought he could fill Hollis Thompson's shoes better than Hart, who might have been more of a project coming in, would uh, on a contending team already. And, and, you know, the rest is history. I mean, Josh Hart went on to become – did he win player of the year? Did he I don't win know. national I player of the so. year? Well, oh, national, whatever. no. Big East, yeah. probably, uh, but national. Well, that one's yeah. big because it not only – you know. It, I'm not saying Georgetown wins two national titles with Josh Hart, and actually, maybe Josh Hart was just there for the one title. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he but, was just there for the one. He, the the second his senior year that he he was the best player, and that's when he probably won Big East Player of the Year. But they got that was the the in between year they got knocked out. Then Jalen Brunson was the old guy the next year. Yeah, I think they might have um, lost to Wisconsin in the second round. But uh, I'm not suggesting Georgetown. You know, they, but the big thing is is that you you deny Villanova from right. becoming what they were. You know. So that's kind of he killing was, two birds with one stone. One of, he was one of four finalists for the Naismith Award. Um, it's pretty yeah. good. So that's pretty, pretty good. good. Oh, by, by, by the way, if we're gonna play, if we're gonna play, if we're gonna play, change any one thing. I, again, my memory sucks. Tell me, I think I have this right, but I maybe I don't. The thing with Domingo, I'm was, you have it wrong. <laughs> the thing with Domingo was he didn't he reclassify to go out one year early. Yeah, and I think that yeah. changed. So if he if he doesn't do that. Now, I don't know if that means they would have taken Josh Hart because, you know, but, like, if he doesn't classify early, then, okay, then you have the opportunity to do it. I mean, you had the opportunity regardless, but whatever. They decided they they, they like Domingo, and, and so be it. But if he doesn't reclassify, then, you know, maybe fate plays, you know, works their way, um, you know, in that in that sense. Well, I remember writing for a now-defunct website, National Hoops Report, run by Justin Young, who's been on the pod a couple times. He still does a lot of basketball recruiting stuff in the South. And there was a tournament at Gonzaga. I think Josh Hart was a junior at Sidwell Friends. And I remember talking to his coach and talking to him, and they were always at Georgetown games. And I just remember it being just sort of like assumed he was going to be a Hoya. (laughs) You you know, like I remember I, I, I probably have it saved in words somewhere on one of my old computers, but I remember the story just basically being about how, you know, he wanted to go to Georgetown. Like he was always at the games. And I remember like, yeah, this guy seems like, you know, he seems like a, like a really good Princeton guy. I could totally see that. Mm -hmm. And then that did not happen. Uh, Can we talk real quick about uh, Patrick Ewing on Dan Patrick before we get out of here? Sure. So I know that um, the way I found out about this was I saw other Georgetown fans complaining on Twitter that the school kind of announced he was going on Dan Patrick, like right before it, or maybe like even after the interview had started. So I didn't watch it live, but I watched it today. It was on, on Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. It's hard to remember during the pandemic, but so Dan Patrick, just, you know, the last dance, obviously it's like the biggest thing in sports right now. Cause there's no sports and it's, you know, every Sunday night, hopefully I know Ben's watching it, Andrew, hopefully you're watching it. Ewing's been in it a lot just because he's part of Jordan's life so much contemporaries and both, you know, great players of all time. They're both part of, you know, the Barcelona team and all that stuff. So he sort of casually, Dan Patrick just says like, Hey, you know, are you watching it? You know, Ewing says, well, I watched a little bit, but I I know what happened. Like, I know how we lost. Like, I don't need to watch it. It was my life, (laughs) which is, you know, funny and true. And Patrick asked him about, you know, what'd you keep from that, from that dream team from the, from the Olympics. And he goes, well, you know, I had the medals and I moved a lot and I lost them, but, Oh, actually, you know what? My house was broken into in New York. So I got them stolen. And he mentions how Jerry Colangelo was able to replace his medals. But then he mentions that, you know, also his 84 championship ring was stolen and it was retrieved because somebody was trying to sell it on eBay. Like, how are we just finding out about this? Well, can I just answer that? Did you just ask how how did a guy who's the head coach of Georgetown keep information out of the public uh, conversation? Is that what you just asked? So Dan Patrick exactly. literally, when when <laughs> when Ewing is saying this, he goes, "Has this ever been told before?" And Patrick goes, "No, this is like this is the first time." You know, so he's listening, and then he's like, "What else was like? Did you lose anything else, Patrick?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, my ring." I mean, it was just like, "Oh my god!" Look. 
Ewing was clearly clearly relaxed. I mean, he's, he was wearing the the throwback Georgetown hat. He had the t-shirt on, the chain on. I, I thought the look was incredible. And I think if he were to wear that on the sidelines, it would be uh, attractive to a lot of recruits. But nonetheless, I mean, obviously him sharing stories like this, uh, it's nice to co- to see him come out of his uh, you know put a, kind of his coaching hat down uh, for a while and, and talk about real life stories. Um, but yeah, I was surprised to hear about that as well because you would think that at the time that might have been a big deal. Like, hey, yeah. where <laughs> someone took Patrick Ewing with gold medals? Um, let's go find them. You know, I, I remember when someone stole what Tom Brady's jersey out of the locker room a couple of years ago after the Super Bowl, whatever that was. That became like a national story for two weeks. Yeah, and the fact, I mean, who would have the you know, the balls to rob Patrick Ewing, right? Like, I mean, you know, Patrick Ewing comes home at the wrong time. Like, you're you're finished, you know? Like, I, 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 I have an answer to that question. What's that? Who would have the ball to rob Patrick Ewing? Harold Jensen. Oh, you know, Ben, this is a Georgetown podcast. I know. I just made a Georgetown joke. It's a sad joke. <laughs> <laughs> has, has the has the blog been blamed for the missing medals? Has no, that yet? not yet. Oh, okay. But okay. I mean, I know <laughs> that at some point the athletic with Ben is going to get a one on one with Ewing, and I want to know. I want to know did did Patrick himself think, hey, you know what? Let me just like check out you know eBay and see if like some knucklehead is trying to sell it, or you know did one of his kids like check it out? Like, I'm I'm, I'm interested. Like, I I want more details of this for for the record i i know georgetown people listen to this fine uh, podcast and i don't know if they're still listening an hour in or whatever we are but yes absolutely i would absolutely love to talk to patrick ewing we can we talk about a lot of fun stuff uh talk about how things are going with, with the team whatever he's got going on but yeah if they're listening uh, you know stop talking to all the national people he's, we, we, he's done that Talk to the local people. We're the people who are actually day to day give a crap. Everybody else just wants from the ratings. We're in it for you know because we you know because we care. So just think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then I've made some comments about how I think you know whatever anything national happens with basketball, it does for as storied as a program as Georgetown is. You know the bad parts sort of get brought up a lot, right? Because like both of their losses in the title game are historic games and all that stuff. So when the last dance started, I believe last time we talked, I talked about, Oh God, another thing where, you know, you know, Ewing is on the Knicks and they're losing and all this stuff. But I think that there could be an uptick for Georgetown out of this. And it's based on something that Patrick said. He said that he had some recruits texting with him that were asking him like, you know, who's better Michael or LeBron. And obviously, you know, Patrick saying Michael and some of these young kids, they don't really know Jordan outside of, the, the emblem on the jersey on the shoe all that stuff so you know even though patrick didn't get the best of michael i do think that there could be a georgetown a little bit of an uptick from this i, I love your optimism i mean because <laughs> it does show that patrick was one of the guys right like there was a lot of really good players that don't have titles because of michael jordan so when you see hey that's that guy recruiting me He's on the last dance. Like, he was part of the story. He was in Barcelona. Like, he's one of the guys. And I think that, you know, us being old farts, like, we get that. But, you know, 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds, like, they don't know that, right? Yeah, they, 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 know, they know Iverson. And, yeah. you know, that's a whole different, that's a whole different story. Um, and I know you guys have been on a lot of Zooms recently. Everybody has. I found this, and this is the last thing I'll say about this Dan Patrick interview. <laughs> Patrick Ewing talked about how he's been on the Zoom for his first grade. He has a first grader, and he goes on that Zoom for the Zoom class. And can you imagine being other parents and other kids in that Zoom when you've got Patrick Ewing? That's incredible. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool. I have seen um, some stories about celebs dropping in on various Zoom classes taught around the country. I, I find that whole thing pretty fascinating. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how it's going for you guys, but I, I've been kind of getting used to the Zoom. And the thing is, I spend a lot of my time, like, 
looking at the various videos of the people that are on the Zoom itself rather than focusing on the subject matter that's being discussed in the Zoom. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if they're ultimately productive or not, but it's it's entertaining. I mean, yeah, so the new reply all is, you know, the person that doesn't mute their mic, right? I mean, it's just right. this nonsense. Yeah. It's, um, well, well, hold on. And then, and then, of course, I, I think today you had, the, in the Supreme Court argument, there was, yeah. I, I, I guess one of the, the justices was in the bathroom, <laughs> and, and you heard an audible uh, flushing of the toilet during one of the arguments, so... Um, these are interesting <laughs> times. These are certainly interesting times that we are living in. So this leads to the ultimate question. If the three of us are doing this and you could zoom in any Georgetown player right now, past, present, whatever, who would you pick? And you can't just say Iverson. Like, that's too easy. Like, you know, <laughs> who, who would you pick? Iverson. Can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it'd be pretty good to have uh, Jabril on. I was going to say Markel Starks. I mean, just to go something a little bit off. Because like no, that guy, I'll, t- I'll tell you why that's wrong. Well, I know you're not. A, I know. He, 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 you, you weren't the biggest fan of him when we were, like, covering him because he gave everybody grief. But, like, he just dropped off the planet. I know he's playing basketball, I guess. But, like, he just, like, completely dropped off the planet. Well, don't you remember we would sort of talk about him and it seemed really interesting and then you'd go transcribe and it was like, he didn't really say anything. Right, right, t- totally fair. But like, he, he was like one of those guys, like because he was, you know, semi-prominent his whole four years, but certainly the end, but the first year a little bit, uh, I, you know, he was around for us a lot and he talked a lot and whether, you know, and then he just, you know, just went away. I don't know. I'm just curious. He, he was an interesting guy, ran for student government, uh, you know, had things That's to right. say. I'm just curious. Yeah. Just curious what he's been that. doing and what, what he thinks of the world now. There's actually a Twitter account. I don't know if it's him, but there's like a Markel Starks fan account. I think he's playing in Poland or Belarus or I don't know. I thought he was in, still... in New Zealand. No, he's somewhere wrong. in Europe now, I think. He, he was in Australia or New Zealand early on, but then I yeah, it didn't seem like everyone's a blue when I look it up and, you know, who the, who the, who the heck knows. But uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, Hollis, I think, is also a pretty good choice. Well, maybe we can get one of these cats on the uh, on the podcast. Do we want to wish? Speaking of former players, we want to wish Austin Freeman, the program's eighth all-time leading scorer, a very happy birthday. Absolutely, happy birthday, Austin Freeman! (laughs) Absolutely, happy birthday. He's local. He's coaching. He could be a guy. He could be an assistant at some point. Yes. <laughs> Why not? I, I, I do think, you know, on the assistant issue that... Um, You're telling me you wouldn't I want really, a coach that was at DeMatha? That's, that's, that's pretty good. No, I, I, I don't disagree that, that he could be a good local recruiter, which is, is someone that the staff really needs. And that's not to say that Current uh, guys on the staff aren't carrying their weight. I'm sure they're doing a you know they're, they're doing as good a job as they can do. I think that the perception again, since what Ewing said in his first press conference that both of you were were sitting there, is that he he wanted to surround himself with with coaches that would help and get a local recruiter on board, and that really ha- has yet to happen. And now we're entering year four. We don't have the recruiter. We're woeful defensively. And it doesn't seem like there are going to be any changes to the bench, at least that I'm aware of. And here we are in May. Uh, so, yeah. Happy birthday, Austin. <laughs> yes, happy birthday, Austin Freeman. But listen, I gotta, I gotta put the kids down. It's already past their bedtime. Are we, uh, are we good on McClung and and all that stuff, or do we need to? We'll probably come back in three days because we're probably <laughs> gonna discuss something else. The, so. We all agreed that he was going to come back to Georgetown last podcast. Does anyone want to change their answer? I I will not change that answer. I think he will be back at Georgetown. I think I'm reading between everything that's been going on, and I'm taking it as he's told Ewing that he will be back if he's not drafted. I don't think he's getting drafted, so I think he'll be back at Georgetown. Yeah, I, I'm just going to follow the odds. The odds are overwhelming that, you know, he, unless he just is stubborn and says, i got to go pro, whatever happens, happens. 
that going back to Georgetown makes the most sense. So I will stay with that. But, uh, you know, as for uh, whether he said anything to Ewing or not, I don't know. All right, cool, guys. Well, hey, um, another great episode of Kente Corner, everyone. Keep following us. Keep subscribing. Keep downloading. Andrew's at Casual Hoya, and you guys also should be subscribing to The Athletic. That's where you can find all of Ben's stuff. He is apparently Redskins slash college basketball these days, so you're getting a lot of college basketball from Ben. It's worth it. And we'll see you next time. NFL, NFL schedule tomorrow. Hoya Saxa. Yeah, gotta make my fantasy draft. I wonder. I wonder if the. I wonder if the Saints will have enough RPI to get in the tournament. What? All right, later. <laughs> Who that? All right, see you.